The Work of Our Sanctification If the work of our sanctification presents, apparently, the most insurmountable difficulties, it is because we do not know how to form a just idea of it. In reality, sanctity can be reduced to one single practice, fidelity to the duties appointed by God. Now, this fidelity is equally within each one's power, whether in its active practice or passive exercise. The active practice of fidelity consists in accomplishing the duties that devolve upon us, whether imposed by the general laws of God and of the Church, or by the particular state that we may have embraced. Its passive exercise consists in the loving acceptance of all that God sends us at each moment. Are either of these practices of sanctity above our strength? Certainly not the act of fidelity, since the duties it imposes cease to be duties when we have no longer the power to fulfill them. If the state of your health does not permit you to go to Mass, you are not obliged to go. The same rule holds good for all the precepts laid down. That is to say, for all those which prescribe certain duties. Only those which forbid things evil in themselves are absolute, because it is never allowable to commit sin. Can there, then, be anything more reasonable? What excuse can be made? Yet this is all that God requires of the soul for the work of its sanctification. He exacts it from both high and low, from the strong and the weak, in a word from all, always and everywhere. It is true, then, that he requires on our part only simple and easy things, since it is only necessary to employ this simple method to attain to an eminent degree of sanctity. If, over and above the commandments, he shows us the counsels as a more perfect aim, he always takes care to suit the practice of them to our position and character. He bestows on us, as the principal sign of our vocation to follow them, the attractions of grace which make them easy. He never impels anyone beyond his strength, nor in any way beyond his aptitude. Again, what could be more just? All you who strive after perfection and who are tempted to discouragement at the remembrance of what you have read in the lives of the saints and of what certain pious books prescribe, O you who are appalled by the terrible ideas of perfection that you have formed for yourselves, it is for your consolation that God has willed me to write this. Learn that of which you seem to be ignorant. This God of all goodness has made those things easy that are common and necessary in the order of nature, such as breathing, eating, and sleeping. No less necessary in the supernatural order are love and fidelity. Therefore it must needs be that the difficulty of acquiring them is by no means so great as is generally represented. Review your life. Is it not composed of innumerable actions of very little importance? Well, God is quite satisfied with these. They are the share that the soul must take in the work of its perfection. This is so clearly explained in the Holy Scripture that there can be no doubt about it. Fear God and keep the commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Ecclesiastes 12.13 That is to say, this is all that is required on the part of man, and it is in this that active fidelity consists. 
If man fulfills his part, God will do the rest. Grace being bestowed only on this condition, the marvels it effects are beyond the comprehension of man. For neither ear has heard, nor eye seen, nor has it entered the mind what things God has planned in his omniscience, determined in his will, and carried out by his power in the souls given up entirely to him. The passive part of sanctity is still more easy, since it only consists in accepting that which we very often have no power to prevent, and in suffering lovingly, that is to say, with sweetness and consolation, those things that too often cause weariness and disgust. Once more, I repeat, in this consists sanctity. This is the grain of mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds, the fruits of which can neither be recognized nor gathered. It is the drachma of the gospel, the treasure that none discover because they suppose it to be too far away to be sought. Do not ask me how this treasure can be found. It is no secret. The treasure is everywhere. It is offered to us at all times and wherever we may be. All creatures, both friends and enemies, pour it out with prodigality, and it flows like a fountain through every faculty of body and soul, even to the very center of our hearts. If we open our mouths, they will be filled. The divine activity permeates the whole universe. It pervades every creature. Wherever they are, it is there. It goes before them, with them, and it follows them. All they have to do is to let the waves bear them on. Would to God that kings and their ministers, princes of the church and of the world, priests and soldiers, the peasantry and laborers, in a word, all men, could know how very easy it would be for them to arrive at a high degree of sanctity. They would only have to fulfill the simple duties of Christianity and of their state of life, to embrace with submission the crosses belonging to that state, and to submit with faith and love to the designs of providence in all those things that have to be done or suffered without going out of their way to seek occasions for themselves. This is the spirit by which the patriarchs and prophets were animated and sanctified before there were so many systems or so many masters of the spiritual life. This is the spirituality of all ages and of every state. No state of life can assuredly be sanctified in a more exalted manner, nor in a more wonderful and easy way than by the simple use of the means that God, the sovereign director of souls, gives them to do or to suffer at each moment. Editor's Note It would be a mistaken idea of the meaning of the author to imagine that he would urge anyone to undertake to lead a spiritual life without the guidance of a director. He explains expressly elsewhere that in order to be able to do without a director, one must have been habitually and for a long time under direction. Less still does he endeavor to bring into disrepute the means made use of by the church for the extirpation of vice and the acquisition of virtue. His meaning, of which Christians cannot be too often reminded, is that of all direction the best is that of divine providence, and that the most necessary and the most sanctifying of all practices is that of fulfilling faithfully and accepting lovingly whatever this paternal providence ordains that we should do or suffer.